Continuing our week-long special report on Rhode Island's housing crisis, we now turn to the industry side, specifically realtor Jess Powers. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Really, at the end of the day, there's so many ways to look at this, but one way that is super important that I think is overlooked way too often is the actual housing market, like literal market, and the realtor perspective. And so joining us on this discussion is Jess Powers, who I'll let you sort of set up who you are, but you have an interesting story and sort of how you've come into um, home ownership and just have really a a data-driven view on things from the realtor side, from the market side. So good morning and thanks for your time. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Bill. So uh, yeah, yeah, so that story, I, if you if you want to just tell us, because I love your stories that you post on Instagram and everything, like sort of the the journey you've taken. Sure. Thanks. I um I got my real estate license almost 10 years ago. Um to try to summarize and briefly tell you why I got into the real estate market. Um when I went through a divorce, uh, I was working in the music industry uh and also in the nonprofit sector coming out of working or staying at home with my kids for seven years, it's hard to enter back into any sort of industry for women. Uh, So I had read a few real estate books. I had always been interested in real estate and knew if I was going to find some security, financial security, that I needed to buy a multifamily. So I bought a multifamily. My ex-husband bought me out of the house. So I had an opportunity uh, to leverage some money that I otherwise wouldn't have had. Uh, and bought a house on the West End of Providence. A lot of people in my life told me I didn't know what I was doing. I was making a mistake. I wasn't buying in the right neighborhood. I should just buy a condo or keep renting. But I knew that money would disappear very quickly. Uh, And because I had read some real estate books, I knew what my numbers were. So I jumped in and I went ahead and did it. And so I bought a three family, which allowed me at the time to know that my living expenses, which is such a huge chunk of most people's budget, that that would be taken care of, which would give me the opportunity to be able to figure out what I wanted to do next. Um, I ended up buying another multifamily, a two unit. I was able to leverage Uh, I had a conventional loan on the first property. I was able to get an FHA loan. So for $15,000, I was able to, with a gift fund, uh, I was able to buy another multifamily. And at that time, I decided, you know, I really actually want to get into real estate. I actually really want to help other women who are told that they can't do it or that they don't know what they're doing to be able to invest in properties, whether that's a single family or multifamily, whether they intend to live in it or not. So that was really what drew me to get my real estate license. I wanted to help first-time homebuyers be able to understand the process in a way that I kind of did, but kind of didn't, that I didn't really have somebody holding my hand to help me to understand, am I making a right decision? It's a huge decision. It's a lot of money. So that's really been where my heart has been. And to do that, I've always had to focus on what are the data. So when I started out in real estate, the median sale price for single families was $209,000. Today, it's over $400,000. We had a slight dip in December. We went down to about $389,000, which happens at the holidays. People don't buy or sell as many homes. But we're out of that. People are ready to start spending money again. Uh, they're focused again. And so we're seeing an uptick in inventory, but also in prices. So that's the quick backstory on me. Where's the market right now in terms of, you know, let's say just 
the the conventional thought is that if you want to buy a house right now in Rhode Island, let's say, it's way overpriced. And there's first of all, you may not even have a chance to afford it. But then also, there could be a significant depreciation. And you see in places like Newport, where your houses that were like four hundred thousand dollars a few years ago are now close to a million. Mm-hmm. Where where are we right now? Yeah. Um, so again, I really think it's important to focus on data, not only the data that we have here in Rhode Island, but also nationally, because what happens nationally is indicative of what's going to happen here. So if you're a native Rhode Islander and you've been here for a long time, then sure, you're going to look at prices and say, oh my gosh, everything is too expensive. This can't last. Everything's overpriced. It's got to go down. However, if you look at other markets, you'll see our median price is considered low. There are so many other markets that have a higher median price, including our neighbors in uh, Massachusetts. So we've just got a lot of people that look at Rhode Island as actually very affordable. We all know it's also a really unique state. We have such easy access to Boston or New York. And just for being such a small state, there's a lot that happens in our state. You know, you can drive 30 minutes and you feel like you're in a different area. I grew up in the Midwest. I went to school in Texas. You have to drive 45 minutes and you're still in the same place. If you're in Boston, it takes an hour to commute from Boston to Boston. You know, that just doesn't exist here in Rhode Island. And since people can now work remotely, that's been a real key driver they can actually move here because they don't have to worry about that commute. So they just find a lot of value in Rhode Island. So again, it depends on what your perspective is. If you've been here a long time, your perspective is going to be, holy crap, what is happening with prices? That's just not sustainable. However, if you are in on the West Coast where prices are median $700,000 and up, which people have been affording, then you'll see, oh, actually, it's just that there's going to be a shift. There's going to be a natural migration. People are really leaving the West Coast right now because it's literally on fire. Houses are falling into the water and their prices aren't really going down either. So we've seen a slight deflation that happened from June until now. It The bottom has hit and now we're going to see an upswing. So we're about as low as we are going to get right now, in my opinion, mm. unless inflation, you know, the inflation reports have been pretty positive. So unless that shifts and the next report comes comes in where inflation has actually gone up, then maybe they'll raise interest rates again, and maybe that will put another slow on it. But right now, inflation is being lowered. Interest rates have followed suit. That means more buyers are back in the market. What role do... I guess I I should frame it as what role does the real estate industry play in the housing crisis? Because there's two ways to look at it. In the one hand, you could say, well, look, you know, the the industry exists in its own sphere, its own orbit. You don't set the prices. You just work to put buyers and sellers together and make those transactions happen in a legal manner. And that's that. At the same time, you know, any industry – is a direct reflection of supply and demand. And right now, you know, again, it's anecdotal. We don't have the exact numbers, but there's a lot of people who are struggling and say, man, if this is the low point of the price of a house in Rhode Island, Mm -hmm. 
that's some of the most depressing news that you could possibly hear. And the the outlook is extremely bleak. What, so what role does the industry play in that situation for someone who's saying, hey, look, you know, I'm working full time, et cetera, et cetera. And there's no way I'll be able to pay for a $400,000 house. Mm-hmm. Maybe there is a mechanic which that person could or should be purchasing a $400,000 or $500,000 home. And then whether it's through a multifamily rental situation or whatever the case may be, there are ways to do it. But, but what role do you play in all of this? I mean, our role is as service. I mean, we yeah. we provide a service to people. That service is education uh, because people need help making these decisions. Is it a good idea to get into the market right now? Is it a good idea? Does this meet within my budget? How do I even get in if I have a goal to buy real estate? How do we do it? How do we go through the process? So that's where I think our we serve as service to the industry. We don't dictate what happens. We don't control the prices at all. What controls the prices is really, it really truly is supply and demand. We don't have enough housing. There's, you know, we've, we're extremely densely populated state. Uh, people in the more rural areas are reluctant to change zoning laws. Even in Providence, they're reluctant to change zoning laws. People should be able to build more than a two-family unit. All of the new builds are two families. Why aren't they three? There are incentives that that our state could offer buyers and also sellers and also builders. And I think the builders are probably the key. There really should be some tax incentives for buyers, but also uh, for new construction. We just don't have enough housing. And and how is that going to change? We have not kept pace with the number of buyers that we have. And it's just going to keep widening because as more millennials are able to buy more houses, because that's who's that's the largest buying pool right now. And, and there aren't enough people that are leaving the state. So until we find a way to deal with the inventory shortage, which really is what's spurring the prices. There's there's no way to bring prices down or to bring prices to level out. Yeah, you just nailed it. I, I think that's exactly it. It's a supply and demand factor. And there's just, you know, the zoning level is such a key factor right now. Yep. If you're in Rhode Island right now and you are a millennial or anybody for that matter, and you're just thinking like, what's my next step? you know, what, what should I do? Should I continue to rent? Should I, should I try to get into the market? You know, what, how should a person assess their own viability when it comes to buying a home? Because the last thing you want to do is get in over your head and then be in trouble one, five, 10 years from now. Right. Well, I mean, I think we we should talk about rent. I mean, if we look at the, the amount that rent has gone up over the past two years, that has been equal, if not more than how prices have gone up, or it's been, you know, about equal. So, you know, even myself as a landlord, I bought a three family uh, three years ago on the West End, kind of right on the edge on Messer Street. I paid $311,000 for that. I had to do a ton of work to it because it, it you know, it needed a lot of work. So I, I put in probably seventy five to $100,000 in that place. 
So that's why I bought it a little bit lower than market value. Um, my taxes at the time when I bought it were around three thousand dollars because again, it was on the edge of of uh, of what's the you know the West End. It is now, as of the new assessment, my property taxes are twelve thousand dollars. My value is if I were to sell that place, I could probably sell it for seven hundred thousand dollars. My rents when I first when I renovated the units were. 1400 which at the time was I felt was market value now if I had a, a tenant leave uh the market value would be between 2200 and 2500 they're big wow. units they're three bedroom double parlor they're 1500 square foot units with laundry in them so um but that's the that's a big jump and that was not something that I anticipated that would happen so quickly am I wrong as a landlord? for raising that rent up to what the market value is. You know, a lot of people, I see a lot of forums where people go really hard on landlords. My property taxes more than doubled. Right. You know, I didn't buy that. I bought that as an investment property. That's part of my financial security for my family. You now have people that are buying multifamilies. You've got tenants that have been in there for, I, I showed a, a two unit in Pawtucket over the weekend. Uh, both units, they've been there for more than 10 years. Uh, they pay 750 and 850. The market value would be at least 1400 for both units. You've got a buyer that has to pay $379,000. Actually, there's multiple offers, so it'll probably go up to about 425. The numbers don't work. They had they they don't work at that current market value. Nobody buys a two-family because they really want to live in a two-family. They buy in a two-family because they're trying to get into the real estate industry and they want to offset their living expenses and have somebody that's going to help pay for that mortgage. That's the whole point. Or they buy it with a friend. But you've got landlords that haven't raised the rent in 10 years because the numbers worked for them at that time. They bought the place for probably $110,000. So it's the struggle is you can't buy in this market and keep tenants at their current rate that they've had for a really long time. It just, it doesn't work. So where are those people going? Because then they try to look for a place and they realize, oh my gosh, the average rental in Providence right now is $1,800 to $2,000, depending on where you're looking. Yeah. And probably going to go up. It's hovering. I don't think it's going to go up quite as much, but it probably will go up. Because again, if the market keeps going up and people are buying in at a high price or what we perceive as a high price, the numbers simply don't work. So that, you know, the question is, and that's, you know, that's the housing crisis, right? Where do these people go? A lot of people are probably going to have to leave Rhode Island unless we build more housing unless we offer incentives for people to be able to buy or get a handle on our property taxes, which we all know probably isn't going to happen. It's right. unlikely our property taxes are going to go down. So, you know, it's, it really is, it's a whole cluster of problems that honestly, nobody has a solution to. And I don't know that real estate agents can inform the market, but we're not really the ones that are in the role to give solutions. We can give suggestions based on what we see and what we hear, 
but we need policymakers to step in and actually support solutions. You know, building the Fane Tower and calling that affordable housing probably isn't it. Yeah. Yeah. Or the Superman building, which, look, you know, I've been I've, I'm not going to say I've been screaming about it, but, you know, since day one, I've said, hey, you know, OK, you want to develop that. That's fine. But don't call it affordable housing. Call it what it is. It's luxury housing. You know, it's probably more for your trust fund kid. You know, they want to sip coffee all day and, you know, live in a cool right. place. You know, maybe some people in the meds and eds and tech sector. But if you're paying three grand for a one bedroom apartment, you know, that's way outside of the scope of most people. Now, at the same time, the supply of luxury housing helps to free up mid-level, quote unquote, housing for other people. So there's a there's a lot there. Um, all right. Th this has been super informative. And I think that's exactly what it is. It's like your eyes and your experience inform the reality on the ground in a way that is just super practical. And it's unlikely, like you said, that there's going to be huge property tax cuts. It's unlikely that we're going to see, although I'm sure they're going to work towards it, major zoning changes. But let's say you were like right now, I don't know, like some emergency general assembly uh, decree was passed. Jess Powers, your governor, your speaker of the house, your Senate president, you're the queen of Rhode Island for 10 seconds. You can do one thing to improve the housing market in 10 seconds. Queen of Rhode Island, what do you do? I would change zoning laws. I would allow people to be able to utilize, turn their garages into uh, auxiliary units. Uh, and I would build uh, three families. I would also there are a lot of abandoned properties that still exist in Providence. I would prioritize that those can go to low-income families, but be able to offer some way to really support them uh, or new buyers of some sort. So there's a lot of vacant buildings uh, that that still exist in our city. Uh, there's an opportunity to, to improve neighborhoods in that way. What an answer. That was awesome. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Um, how do I, people get... I think a lot about this a lot. I want yeah. more people to be able to real estate is truly is a key to be people being able to build wealth and equity and legacy. Uh, it, you know, what's the interest rate on rent? It's a hundred percent. You know, you don't get any equity from your rent. It, buying isn't for everybody. However, if you look at history, that shows that's such a key to being able to find security and that's always been my key and my goal for my family. Where do people find you? How can they get a hold of you and, and what's your Instagram handle and so forth? Sure. Uh, JessPowersRealEstate.com. Same on Instagram, uh, JessPowersRealEstate. Um, I am actually hosting a first-time homebuyer workshop this Thursday. Uh, so I can send you that link if you have a place to, to post it. Yeah, I'll post um, it. You, it. You can find it in the episode. Still, yep. Yeah. It's a good time to buy if the numbers work. It's a numbers game. If the numbers work for you, then you know what's the right time to buy. I always tell people, don't chase the market, chase the math. That really is what drives your decisions. And the way that you're able to inform that is by understanding the data and where things are going and what, what things are trending. I do think that Rhode Island, we will eventually see a median sale price of $600,000. Incredible. And, and, let's and that see, will probably happen in seven to 10 years. And you wonder what wages will look like at that point. And it's 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 an interesting um, in this broad conversation. There's there's also room for 
you know, interest uh, in like wondering how, how do we, what does Rhode Island look like in 10 years? And if that's a factor, if we're talking $600,000, what are the supports around that? Wages, new industries, education, you know, there's so many pieces to this and we could go on and on and on. And that's why we're doing a whole week on this and we probably right. should just do a year on it. So, well, Hey, I'm up for the chat anytime. Amazing. Jess Powers, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Phil. Have a great day. You too. Take care. The legalization of recreational cannabis that went into effect last year can open doors for your career. If you are already in the industry or wondering what is the best path to break into the cannabis field, well, the University of Rhode Island has a program to help you become highly competitive in numerous areas of the cannabis industry. Fully accredited by URI's College of Pharmacy, the certificate program is 100% online, and it can be completed in two semesters. The next application deadline for the summer 2023 session is April 4th, and courses start on May 9th. You can learn more at uri.edu slash online slash cannabis, or give them a call at 401-874-5280.